Homeward is committed to partnering with parents and equipping you with the resources you need to raise your kids to become responsible adults. And Steadfast Companies, a leading real estate investment company, is proud to partner with Homeward to bring you the following podcast presentation. All the things that had helped me to succeed up until this point in my life were the same things that helped me to essentially succeed at at losing weight. And so to have an intense fear of gaining weight despite being underweight, I just went through a period of transition. I'm Jim Burns. You know, many times we hear stories about troubled teenage girls who become anorexic because of a tremendous pain in their lives. But Christy Pettit's story is very different. She was a star athlete in high school and actually received a full-ride scholarship to play tennis at the University of Virginia. However, once she got there, she started overdoing it in the gym and wound up battling anorexia even though she thought she was living a healthy lifestyle. During the next half hour, we're going to meet Christy Pettit and hear her story. It's a wake-up call to us as parents and a good reminder that even good kids may not always see that their best intentions might be leading them down a very dangerous path health-wise. A teenage girl's recovery from anorexia is on Homeward, and it starts right now. From the studios at the Homeward Center for Youth and Family on the campus of Azusa Pacific University, welcome to Homeward with parenting and family expert, Dr. Jim Burns. I'm Roger Marsh. You know, Olympic gold medalist Brian Clay, noted speaker and author John Maxwell are just two of the many, many famous APU alumni, along with uh, Homeward's own Dr. Jim Burns. If you'd like to learn more information about how you can join that list, we encourage you to visit us online today at homeward.com, or you can go to apu.edu. Now, today on the program, a very, very special uh, program at a conversation that uh, has become more and more important as uh, the years have worn on. Uh, We're going to talk about the whole process of exercise bulimia and a teenage girl's recovery from anorexia. Uh, Christy Pettit is with us and now with part one of today's program, here's Dr. Jim Burns. Welcome to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns. Today, a very special program. We're talking about a teenage girl's recovery from anorexia. Christy Pettit is with us. She's a former tennis star at the University of Virginia, um, master's in family counseling, uh, lives with her husband, Peter, in Atlanta. Welcome to our program. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. You've written a book called Empty, A Story of Anorexia. It was really quite compelling because in many ways, it's kind of your story. So let's take it back. Freshman year of college, you leave your family home in Houston to accept a full-ride tennis scholarship at the University of Virginia, and lots of things happened, but one of the things that happened was that you lost a lot of weight that first year. What happened? Well, when I got to school, I think that I I just went through a period of transition. I was far away from my home, my family, my friends, and um, with so much change going on in my life at once, I I really um, felt like I was losing control, and so by controlling food and, and exercise, um, I, I think that that's how I coped with everything that was going on in my life. Go, go ahead and explain what anorexia is for our listeners. Okay, well, there are, um, there's a clinical definition that um, categorizes people who are suffering from the eating disorder anorexia, and those, um, the qualifications for that would be that you, have, that you maintain um, a body weight that is 15% below what would be normal for your um, height and body type, and then the second thing would be um, to have an intense fear of gaining weight despite being underweight. Um, the third thing would be having a distorted body image. So you might think that particular body parts are, um, 
are too big or overweight when, when actually they're not. And then the fourth thing would be in females that uh, you stop menstruating because your body is not getting what it needs to function normally. Here you are, a, a tennis star, and yet so many times anorexia happens with people who are disciplined and people who, who are competitive and people who are a lot like the Christy Pettit of you know, your freshman year at University of Virginia. Exactly. All the things that had helped me to succeed up until this point in my life were the same things that helped me to essentially succeed at, at losing weight. And so um, the, a lot of the character traits were, um, were there and, and had been things that I've been doing for quite some time. And in, in some ways, when a person begins to lose weight, and then it even becomes more drastic, they actually are feeling pretty good about themselves. It's not that they're feeling as much shame. I mean, they get to a point where there's some tough things with self-acceptance and self-worth. But at the beginning, you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm doing better because other people are putting on the freshman 15. Right, exactly. I, I went to UVA, and my, my original goal was just to be the best college tennis player that I could be. And um, when I first got to school, I had gained a little bit of weight, and so... I wanted to um, to really be in the best shape that I could be. And so as I started to change my diet and, and do more exercise outside of practice, I got a lot of positive reinforcement for that, and, and I felt better about myself, and I, um, and I was playing better and got positive reinforcement from my coach. And, and so then, but then that, you know, then continued to motivate me, and I never got to a point where I was ever satisfied. I never felt like I had lost enough weight. You know, and that seems to be almost the cry of young women, even even young girls. I have three daughters who, you know, were gymnasts and, you know, went into cheerleading and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so many of their friends struggle with this. Now, you cite in your book that close to 80% of preteen girls, as young as even eight and nine, say that they watch what they eat because they don't want to get fat. I mean, describe what that's like in our culture today. I mean, I think it's very common because they're there are such social pressures to um, to appear um, so thin that that and you can't achieve that amount that level of thinness naturally, and so um, and you know combined with someone who maybe struggles with perfectionism, then you just keep pushing yourself to um, just more, you know, and always the thinner the better, and that kind of mentality, and, it, and it's just kind of everywhere if you stop and look and. See how many times girls and 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 boys are given the message of you need to be you know this you need to to be this way and so that just puts a lot of pressure on teens. And they, they do feel that pressure, and yet sometimes they feel better about themselves. I mean, you said you lost twenty five pounds your freshman year. You're feeling pretty good about yourself. That gosh, I look good. I I feel good. I'm getting noticed by guys. So you come home that summer. You had a checkup with your family doctor. How did that go? Um, well, it was sort of problematic because I, I went and he and he said, well, you're not, um, you know, you, you seem like you're in great shape and um, I'm not concerned now, just don't lose any more weight. And he wasn't, and so that kind of um, appeased my parents and and almost kind of gave me permission to keep doing what I was doing. And, um, and, and I did, the problem was I was so, kind of addicted to my behaviors that I, I kept, I continued to lose weight over the summer, even though I was sort of under the mentality that I wasn't going to anymore. I still, it was, at that point, it was out of my control. And, and you know, what's interesting is you, you mentioned the parents, and that is such a, you know, intense part of oftentimes with any kind of eating disorder, whether it be anorexia or compulsive eating or, or bulimia. Now, I'm, I'm thinking of a family where this young girl was in, in our little area, really rapidly moving toward um, being way underweight, 
obviously anorexia, but her mom was kind of blind to the fact. Her mom was saying, hey, you look good. You know, this is, this is great. You're doing well because her sister was kind of gaining weight. Mm-hmm. So sometimes parents can kind of be in denial about this as well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very difficult when you're close to someone to see, you know, it's hard to notice change that has happened over the, you know, over the course of time. And, um, and then also when you're very emotionally attached to the person, it's hard to always see them clearly and see what's going on. That's fascinating. One of the things that I remember seeing in your book, Empty Story of Anorexia, was the fact that you said you kind of came to a place in somewhat early on where you kind of replaced your faith in God with the world standards about beauty and appearance. Mm-hmm. D- describe the quality of your life at that point. Well, um, I think that um, that I kind of was sort of lulled into... Um, Kind of feeling satisfied with my performance-based mentality. So um, rather than seeking authentic relationship with God, I was, you know, as long as I was going to church and doing my quiet times and and things like that, I felt like I was okay with God. And so then um, that kind of opened the door for me to to be um, more and more enticed by kind of what the world was saying about my self-worth and. So I really kind of fell into that mentality you know, it's fascinating. at that point. Yeah, it's fascinating when you say it because I've often heard people say that sometimes an eating disorder like anorexia is almost a Christian disease, that Christian kids can still be you know, in youth group, they can be you know, active in, you know, they're reading scripture, they're doing certain things, but they're still somehow this experience of they, they can't get past eating disorder. At first they were doing good. They were, gosh, they were taking care of themselves like some of the other kids weren't. Mm-hmm. But, but then it, it just moves past being, you know, healthy and, and moves into to being unhealthy. Do you see that in, in Christian circles more and more as a counselor? Um, I do, actually. And, and even in my circle of friends um, at UVA, I had a strong circle of Christian friends, and there were surprising numbers of other girls who also struggled with eating disorders. And, you know, when you think about it, I went to college, and I, and I was, you know, struggling to cope. And a lot of my friends who were not Christians around me dealt with their coping by drinking excessively and um, promiscuity and things like that, and I wasn't going to do those things because it was very clear that, you know, that that was not something that I wanted to be a part of my lifestyle. But instead, I kind of um, became addicted to this work-based life where I thought, you know, the more I do, the better I'll be, sort of, mm. sort of thing. So very, very interesting, and you know, the parents need to hear this. Listen, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to ask you about warning signs because I'm, I'm assuming that there's some parents listening right now who are going, wait a minute, that's that's my daughter mm-hmm. you're talking about. And they really hadn't thought about it before. So I want to get to some warning signs so that parents, even of kids who aren't struggling with it yet, can get up on this in terms of education. We'll be right back. Christy Pettit is with us. We're talking about a teenage girl's recovery from anorexia. Her book is called Empty, A Story of Anorexia. Don't go away. More to come on Homeward. This is a very compelling issue. And if you suspect, if you even hint, uh, have a hint that your uh, daughter or your son might be dealing with an eating disorder, uh, you need to get help. And if you go to homeward.com, we have a tip sheet actually called where to get help finding help. And if you just go to our articles and media section, hit that tab. Uh, It'll take you right to literally thousands of articles, video clips, uh, tip sheets, and more. And everything in the articles and media section is available without cost. And the reason it's available without cost is because of your prayers and faithful financial support. And as we are nearing the end of our fiscal year, uh, we encourage you to drop us a line. Uh, You can write to us at Homeward, P.O. Box 1600, San Juan Capistrano, California, where the swallows go, the zip code 92693. Include a gift of any amount. We truly appreciate your financial support in the form of a $50 gift 
gift or a $100 gift or maybe even a $250 gift to help families dealing with these types of issues. Or you can call us at 800-397-9725. And now let's continue with the conclusion of today's edition of the Homeward Broadcast. Here once again is Dr. Jim Burns. I'm Jim Burns, Christy Pettit with us today. We're talking about a teenage girl's recovery from anorexia. It's always so fascinating to me to see that at the root of most eating disorders, uh, we see an absence of both self-acceptance and self-worth. And moms and dads can play a big role in helping their daughters stay healthy in this area. And we say daughters because more women struggle with uh, eating disorders, but more and more we're seeing young men as well, as Christy's kind of mentioned. She'll always kind of add the young uh, man when she's talking about it because young men struggle with this too. And this is a problem that is just growing and growing when it comes to the percentages of kids who are struggling with this. Christy, before the break, we were talking about uh, warning signs. And I'd love for you to kind of give our listeners some of the warning signs so that they can watch and see and and understand if their kids are kind of moving toward a, a scary part of losing weight. Well, obviously, someone who loses um, a lot of weight in a short period of time, um, that would be a warning sign. But um, there are a lot of other things you can look for, too. Um, any drastic changes in behavior, for instance, starting to exercise excessively or um, making um, extreme changes in what your eating habits are. So um, particularly, you know, you want to watch out for fad diets and also just kind of a preoccupation with food, maybe talking about food and weight issues a lot. Those would be other warning signs. Um, and then um, things such as skipping meal times, trying to avoid social situations where, you know, there's going to be food, um, kind of um, acting like you're sort of too busy to eat or things like that. Then also um, changes in mood would also be apparent. So if your teen is starting to show signs of depression or irritability, you know, perhaps from not eating enough, things like that will start to, to show up as well. Because you see that. I mean, a lot of teens are irritable, let's face it. A lot of adults are right. too. But what you're saying is w- when they look, you know, tired and drawn and, and the irritability, that is another warning sign, isn't it? Exactly. And I mean, you can kind of tell sort of um, at particular times of day. So if if, um, if a teen is particularly irritable kind of late afternoon, evening, right before dinner, then that could be a sign that they haven't eaten enough during the day. Uh, things like that are also becoming very irritable when there is, um, when it is a, an eating situation. So, for instance, if they have a lot of anxiety about food and um, then, and, and then you're trying to interact with them and, and food's there, then they might tend to be um, either, either clearly anxious or irritable or testy because yeah. they're so upset about just food in general. So, you, you know, you begin to put those warning signs together and you see it. Now, I know of a young man, actually, who's lost a lot of weight. He uses power bars, uh, those kinds of things. Then he goes into the restroom. Talk about that. Um, well, you, you also want to be um, careful for, about someone who, um, who eats and then goes to the restroom right after eating can be a sign <laughs> of, bulimia or purging that's yeah. going on. So that would be something else that you right. also want to watch for. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's just amazing how, again, as you were saying, I mean, this is, this is, you know, great people have these kinds of, uh, kinds of struggles. Mm-hmm. One, one of the things that I thought was fascinating in your book is 
You said, when I saw old friends from high school, I judged their first year at college based on how much weight they had gained or lost. Talk about that. Right. I think that, um, you know, I saw some of my friends over Christmas, over the Christmas break, um, and they had clearly gained weight. And, and I thought, oh, I don't want that. You know, it, it, made, it made me think that, you know, they were unhappy at school or, or they just weren't doing that well. And I thought, oh, I don't want that to be me. And, and so then when I, you know, over the course of the spring, I just felt like my um, losing weight and being really fit was a sign that I was happy and I was successful and I was doing great at college. And, um, you know, I wanted people to think all those things about me. Well, you know, it's fascinating because it, it's tough when you think about the media because, you know, they even brush up the, you know, latest, greatest movie stars or the, you know, right. music people. And so when you play the comparison game, pretty much everybody in America loses because that's not really Britney Spears. It's not really Madonna. It's not really whoever because, you know, they've even been brushed up. But a lot of kids do want to imitate the stars and they're not really even imitating the stars. Right, exactly. It's just... um it's an unnatural standard of beauty that, that isn't even real. Now, one of the things that you say is that because you've been through the experience with an eating disorder, it's easier for you to spot a young girl or actually probably a young guy, too, who's struggling with one. I mean, what kind of advice do you give to, to kids when they are confronting an eating disorder? And then I'm going to follow that up with what kind of advice would you give parents if they think their teen or literally preteen or even you know college student, young adult is struggling with it. So let's start, first of all, with a teen. What, what do you say to a teen if you think that they might be struggling with it? Well, really, my, my advice probably for a teen and for the parents mm-hmm. is, is, you know, first off, probably um, the same, and that is is that it's really, you can't emphasize enough how important it is to have professional help, that the recovery rates from eating disorders are very good if someone seeks professional counseling. And so I would really say that First and foremost, trying to get that person to see a counselor would be great. You know, we all can benefit from seeing a counselor, regardless of if we have an eating disorder or not, um, just to have a safe place to talk about issues and to help grow and process different life challenges. So I would emphasize that first. But specifically to a teen, I would say, um, that was struggling with this, you know, I just really encourage them to take an honest inventory um, to really think about how they feel about their food food and their body and whether or not that is healthy. You know, that, that can be hard to do, but you really have to be able to take an honest look at yourself. And then, um, and then also I would say that, um, that really for someone who's struggling with an eating disorder, it's important to, to reach out and ask for help, to have social support around you, talk to friends and parents and um, anyone that you can to try to get help, but also to know that ultimately change has to has to come from you know from God and from within you have to be motivated to change no one else is going to be able to fix the problem for you and so you really have to um, you have to want to get better and to want to to really you know it takes a tremendous effort to fight back from an eating disorder and so you really have to be dedicated to health and to pursuing health. And our listeners hear this all the time, you know, where there is no counsel that people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And some things, you know, you can go to a friend or whatever, but if, but if somebody's going through some type of a very difficult eating disorder, let me just say it, you need professional help. Go get the help. There are experts who understand the process who can help you in a big way. And as Roger, in a moment, will give you our 800 number. We will have uh, people who can help you get in touch with someone in your area if there is a problem in terms of counseling, in terms of information. We've obviously got it on our website. And again, Roger will also be talking about Empty, A Story of Anorexia, which is a great book, by the way, to put in front of a young daughter, especially 
Christy, in the time remaining, one of the things I was thinking about, you mentioned uh, God, and one of the things in your, in your book that you said was the first of the Lord's Ten Commandments tell us that we should have no other gods before him, and my weight had become my God, and, and you said I was living in sin. I mean, uh, talk about that. Well, you know, it's, a, it's certainly a, a, a tricky issue, you know, to say, well, an eating disorder is a sin, you know, but, um, but I think that what I was trying to communicate is that, um, that I could tell in my heart that my obsession with my weight had become the very most important thing to me and that I was putting that obsession before God and, and, and that is, you know, that is idolatry. And so in my heart, I, I knew that there was sin in that. And, um, and so, you know, rather than, you know, labeling that for, you know, each, each person has to know their own heart and, and be convicted of that. And I was convicted of that during that time. Well, that's a good thing, and actually it would be better for the Lord to convict us and sometimes our parents, because I don't think it's as helpful when parents say, well, just have a milkshake every day or just do this or that, and yet sometimes innocently we, we go about this differently when it's much more of a core issue. Listen, exactly. we, we're, we're uh, so grateful. We're a little bit out of time here, so we'll have to ask you to come back so we can continue your story. I want to continue your story and how you found really healing and health and how you're now helping others on our next program. Can you come back? Sounds great. Thanks. Great. And that concludes part one of Dr. Jim Burns' two-part conversation with author and speaker and now counselor Christy Pettit. And we're discussing a teenage girl's recovery from anorexia. Christy's written a book about her experience called Empty, and it's a book that we highly recommend. If you visit our online resource center today at homeward.com, you'll find information on how, uh, well, you can take a look at the book. You can just learn more about it. And also, if you'd like the audio CD of today's program, this is part one of a two-parter. Uh, just drop us a line. Ben will be happy to burn you a CD when you write to us at Homeward. P.O. Box 1600, San Juan Capistrano, California, the zip code 92693. And Jim, this is a conversation I think that is worth hearing again and again and again, especially for us parents who uh, we suspect this might be a problem in our homes. It's kind of a scary topic to deal with, but we have to deal with it. Well, that's the story of Christy, and yet a lot of times it happens in junior high and high school as well. And so parents have to be on guard at all times. I know in our own family's life, two of the most incredible young women I know had anorexia, in, and we watched them deteriorate. We watched the, the, the health deteriorate. And interesting enough, I had a conversation, actually, I've had a conversation with both of those parents, but uh, one of the parents was in absolute denial, said, no, she's looking great. She's just thinning down and whatnot. Well, she was actually at, at danger stages. And finally, the parent came back to me, and we got her some help. But, you know, tough stuff. Both of these kids had to actually go into rehabilitation centers because they had gone so far. So let me do something today in our closing moments. Let me give you some symptoms of anorexia anorexia nevrosa, and also we'll give you some symptoms on our website of bulimia as well. You can go to the front page of our website, and we'll give you a lot more than what I'm going to say, but I just simply want to say uh, some of the symptoms of anorexia would be dramatic weight loss with no evident physical illness, excessive exercise, preoccupation with food and calories and nutrition and cooking, thinness to the point of emaciation, hunger denial, distorted body image, binge eating, that could be with bulimia as well, you know, abuse of, of laxatives. Kids today will take a laxatives and they'll spend a lot of time in the bathroom. Frequent weighing, uh, and oftentimes this comes with kids who are perfectionists. Now again, this is just a, a simple list of various symptoms of anorexia, but very, very important. Eating disorders can occur for a variety of reasons, I and mean, there's almost always a root cause or causes. Now, many eating disorders stem from poor views of self 
and body and family perfectionism or even sexual abuse. So this is something that parents have to learn. We talk a lot about this. You have to become a student of the culture. But as we think about eating disorders, we just have to remember that anorexia is the process by which a person denies themselves food. Bulimia oftentimes involves eating large quantities of food and then eliminating it before it can get into the digestive system. Both of these practices are cries for help. They certainly are, Jim, and they're becoming more prevalent in the culture today. And as we heard Christy Pettit's story today here on the Homeward Broadcast in her book, Empty, which you highly recommend. Uh, this is also becoming an issue for guys, too. Not so much they're trying to starve themselves to be super skinny like the girls are, but they're trying to create the, the perfect body. And uh, uh, it, it, when you see what these guys who are in the gym and they're taking the supplements and trying to get everything looking just right, that's the same type of eating disorder that we as parents need to be mindful of. So what can you do as a parent to help? Go to Homeward.com. Go to the articles and media section and you will find a number of different articles and tip sheets on a variety of different issues. And in there, you'll find a couple of articles and tip sheets on helping you uh, get the help that you need for your son or daughter if they're dealing with an eating disorder. You'll find the articles and media section at homeward.com. You'll also find this program archived there as well. So if you want to listen to it again online without any cost, just go to homeward.com, hit the radio broadcast section and follow the prompts. And now for Dr. Jim Burns, our engineer Ben Camp, and the rest of the staff, I'm Roger Marsh. Thanks so much for listening. Join us again next time right here for another edition of Homeward. Homeward with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University.